This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sergeant and Mrs. Smith, you're going to love this house. Is that a tub in the kitchen? There's no field manual for finding the right home. But when you do, USAA Homeowners Insurance can help protect it the right way. Restrictions apply. On August 25th. I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another sparkling edition of that Millwall podcast, where we step into the lion's den with a former Millwall and my guest today was the captain of our 1979 FA Youth Cup final success, Mr. Paul Roberts. How are you, Paul? Very well, thank you. Very well. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on, mate. It's great to have a a member of that youth squad on because we haven't actually, yeah, but I don't think we've delved into it. And I think it's something that isn't really celebrated by our club, is it? The fact that we actually he, he stopped Crystal Palace winning a hat-trick of FA Youth Cups back in the 70s. Uh, that's, I, I believe, yeah, I believe I, that we did stop Crystal Palace, but that wasn't the, on the agenda at the time. It was obviously just... Uh, just like a bunch of lads having a, you know, playing in the FA Youth Cup and going as far as you, uh, as far as you could, and uh, as it, you know, and obviously we'll go from there, really. 
Well, you actually went to school at St. Bonds in Forest Gate, didn't you, with Kevin O'Callaghan? What was that like? Yeah, that was there. Yeah, yeah. First, well, I mean, I'll give you a little bit of history before that, to be honest with you. My first, my primary school was uh, St. Edward's in the Bowling, which was like the, 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 the Catholic school right next to West Ham Football Club. So I used to go to uh, St. Edward's primary school and Kevin O'Callaghan used to go to St. Michael's Catholic School in uh, East Ham. And we both obviously played for Newham District uh, under 11s. And then we both obviously went to uh, St. Bonaventures, which was obviously a very good sports school. Uh, it was a good school all round. It was an all-boys Catholic school, obviously. It, you know, in an ideal world, we'd like to have had a few girls there, but you had St. Angela's <laughs> up the road. But uh, actually, for, you know, for education and for sports, it was fantastic. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, me and Kevin was like, you know, played together from 10 years of age, really, yeah. So you grew up in, or yeah, well, you went to school in the shadow of the bowling where we all have our crosses to bear. Were you actually a fan of that team growing up? Very much so. Obviously, the school playground was obviously where the players used to park their cars for the match days. Obviously, they're not doing it now because they've moved to the Olympic Stadium. But, you know, I was five, five rows away from Upton Park uh, or the bowling, whatever you called it, when I call it then, then you could not help but be a West Ham fan. So, uh, you know, so obviously it wasn't the greatest thing for Millwall fans having a West Ham fan, but I'm sure we'll come across a few stories along the way uh, uh, and tell you what's gone down over the years regarding me being a West Ham fan. So what was it like growing up as a West Ham fan? Did you actually, were you aware of the rivalry with Millwall? Uh, you don't really, uh, not when you're at primary school, no, but obviously when you went to secondary school, maybe not to about 14, 15 years of age, maybe when that would have been about like, I was born in 1962, so 1976, well, I mean, West Ham won the cup in 75 with no disrespect to, I think, Neil War at the time, I don't think they was coming across West Ham or vice versa, so and I was a kid, but basically when you got to maybe 16, 15, 16, and, or was Millwall and West Ham used uh, schoolboy and you could sign for either club. You was very much aware of the rivalry, yeah, of course, yes. Yeah, you'd have been actually, I think, probably one of the only times we'd have played around about that time would have been Harry Cripps' testimonial, and I guess you were far too young to have been at that. Absolutely. I, I actually think Millwall, the first time I think, May have been, you would be able to correct me if you're the historian or whatever. I've got a few programs to look back at that I've, I've dug out today. But uh, I think Millwall played West Ham in the 19, actually 78, 79 season, I believe. I might be wrong. I'm not, I, I'm sure. Or the season before, I might be, you know, that's the first time I can remember coming across the West Ham Millwall game, actually. So, how did you and Callie end up joining Millwall? Because obviously you're right on West Ham's patch. You yeah, well, that'd have been the first two in for you both. Well, in them days, you uh, you didn't really you, you signed schoolboys forms at about fourteen or fifteen years of age, which would meant you was like about the fourth year in school. Sadly, I can't give you whether it's year nine, t- year ten, year eleven, and all that as it is in these days. I just remember the first year to the fifth year, but. I think, you know, you played for the district, you played for the county, and then scouts used to watch. And in them days, you could go to, like, maybe 
Crystal Palace on a Tuesday, QPR on a Wednesday, West Ham on a Thursday, and Mil- you know, like like things like that. So you sort yeah. of juggled, and basically, I think Kevin and me did roughly go to the same clubs. Listen, I'll be a liar to tell you that they probably was taking me along just to get Cali along, if the truth be known, because obviously Kevin was a far better player than me, you know, in skillful ways. So, I'm, you know, but uh, so me and Kevin really probably went together training at Crystal Palace, training at West Ham and training at Mill Wayne, definitely QBR. And, uh, well, we, I decided, we both decided to sign for Millwall. That was not him telling me or me telling him. That was just how it sort of panned out, really. Maybe Kevin could tell you a different story, but that's how I see it, is panning out. Listen, Kevin will probably tell you you got a few quid signed for Millwall. Hey, I definitely didn't get a few quid signed for Millwall. I just thought that you might have a chance in them days that Millwall seemed like, you know, Bob Pearson obviously was the scout at the time and he was plugging the, like, the youngsters and it seemed like you might get a chance in the Millwall team, first team, a lot quick. That is with no disrespect to the boys who was in the Millwall first team. It seemed like you get might get a chance in the first team a lot quicker than you did at West Ham. And obviously at Crystal Palace, you had a load of young, good kids. And at QPR, you had a load of young, good kids. So Millwall was trying to get to them standards and they didn't really have a lot of players in front of you. So you you see, and that's what you decided to sign for Millwall, really. Was that a big selling point by Bob Pearson? I think it was a, yeah, I think it was a big selling point. It was a friendly club. Uh, yeah, indeed, listen, the facilities definitely wasn't a selling point. So I can only say that Bob Pearson was the selling point, really. There wasn't a lot more selling points for Millwall, trust me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's no disrespect, I'm just saying, you know, it was all down to really Bob Pearson, his hard work, working on your parents, and maybe, the, you know, giving you a chance and being a friendly lot. And, to be honest with you, the camaraderie he got with the, the players he was signing, a bit of South boys, a bit of East boys, and a bit of boys from Slough, like West, and it was like, you know, all of a sudden, we had a lot of good camaraderie there. Yeah. Because, yeah, well, I'll just ask you off air because, because I wanted to double-check my sources, but you've got quite a famous cousin in Mark Kaler, the boxer, who's a huge West Ham fan, wasn't he? I remember his, I remember his fight with Errol Christie, wasn't it? And, uh, <laughs> the shenanigans that went on around that fight. So yeah. yeah, well, Mark was Mark was a year older than me, so I was born in uh, April '62. Mark was born in May '61, so Mark will be sixty this year. But uh, yeah, Mark was, uh, you know, to be honest, you're in boxing. It's all about promotion, and I'm not to say Mark really wasn't a football fan. But hey, listen, Mark's not here to defend that story. He's in Los Angeles. <laughs> but hey, if that sells you, if that sells boxing tickets, and Terry Lawless and Mickey Duff. And whoever the other fella was, hey, you was a, like you supported West Ham, but obviously his colours was like claret and blue, you know. And obviously he was a West Ham boy. So, but as it was, he a West Ham supporter. I'm not sure Mark was too interested in football, really, you know. But as I said, if that sold tickets for, for fights, and Errol Christie was a Tottenham fan. I remember I, I used to go to the fights. I'm not sure whether Kevin come to us or came to any of the fights. But obviously, we used to go. I used to go and watch Mark box uh, most of the time. Anyway, yeah. So, were you into boxing? Yeah, were you quite handy yourself in the ring? Or I'd like to tell you, yeah. But I mean, if there's a few, if there's a few old teammates watching this, 
they'll definitely say I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't a fighter. No, 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 no. I could cause a few fights, but I definitely couldn't hold my hands up, that's for sure. <laughs> you, you probably had to in that youth team, to be honest. Yeah, they weren't yeah. shy, were they? Well, I, I, as I said, I probably started a few fights, but I definitely wasn't afraid. Uh, I, I used to take two steps back rather than two steps forward. So we'll come back on to who you join in Millwall and um, yeah, Bob Pearson. He, I think, yeah, I think that Bob Pearson's one of the great figures in the history of this club for everything that he did for this club and uh, and especially the youth policy over. 30, 40 years. It's just unbelievable the amount of players that he brought through. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as, as I said, from I would say I signed in 1978. I would have said from maybe 1976 or 77, I'm not sure who the scouts was over South London or, you know, whatever, but Bob used to put the mileage in all over the place and he used to put the evenings in with your parents. I mean, obviously, you'd go around, you know, it wasn't just a, a done deal that he was going to sign for Millwall, he would like have to graft on your parents, maybe even take your parents out. I mean, as I said, Kevin O'Callaghan's father loved the pint. I'm sure he had many pints uh, with uh, Bob at the end of the day, and that's what twisted his arm. But uh, it was, you know, no, you're right in entirely what you're saying about Bob Pearson. He was, uh, you know, you, you didn't take much notice of it at the time because you're only a kid. But now as you get older and you reflect on things, I've done a fantastic job for Millwall Football Club, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, they ought to be naming stands after him. You have another Manchester United, Lord Eric Harrison, don't they, for the work he did with, uh, with the well, club. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, he, he, as you say, but it was all behind the scenes and, you know, but he was fantastic. I mean, I'm sure, like, I don't know who you've had on your show and you will have on your show to... In future years, I mean, obviously, Teddy Sheridan is one of his boys. But, I mean, listen, it's easy to say Teddy, Teddy, Teddy because he played for Man United. But sometimes you've not got to just look at the Teddies at the end of the day. You've got to look at other people who came along all the while. It's not just about Teddy, do you know what I mean? But, he, as I said, he was fantastic. From He brought loads of people through. Yeah, absolutely. And who were your youth coaches when you first joined Millwall? Because there was a guy called Oscar Arca, wasn't there, an Argentinian who was... Yeah, he was there, I think, from about... I think he was there... He, I think when... He was there as a schoolboy, so I'm just going to try and go back from seasons. So, like, maybe 1977 to 78, I would have been a schoolboy, as you called it in them days, like a fifth-year schoolboy. Just about breaking into the youth team. I wouldn't have played many games. I think I might have played a Southern Junior Floodlit game. I do remember that season going to Hereford, I think. I'm not sure whether I played or was sub or was just in the squad. And I remember Kevin Sheedy playing for Everton, uh, who moved on to Everton from Hereford. And uh, Oscar Ars was the youth team manager then. But he left that summer, which would have been 1978. Yes. Yeah. And that was the year I signed and Kevin O'Callaghan all signed for uh, as apprentices. And uh, obviously, uh, Kevin left school early, actually. Just a, a thing I don't... Kevin left school early in about at Easter and went to... and signed for Millwall because, obviously, his birthday was in October. So he signed as, as soon as he could. As them days, you could sign. You didn't have to take your exam. Kevin signed Easter. Well, I wasn't six, 16 years of age to April the 27th, so I wouldn't have been able to sign them. So Kevin actually signed, I think, in the Easter... But as you was going on earlier about 
Forest Gate, asked me and Kevin's uh, some Bonaventures that year, got to the final of the All England Schools, individual schools final. And the final wasn't pl- was going to be played on May the 1st against a team from Newcastle at Blue Stars Brand. And sadly, Kevin left us all in the lurch and went and signed for Millwall. And, uh, <laughs> he obviously, once he signed for Millwall, he couldn't play uh, schoolboy football. And uh, the reflection, we actually got beat 1-0 in the final, uh, which was like a killer, really, because if Kevin plays, you know, we would have won the all-individual schools. And for a school, as we said, as I don't know if it's been done since, I definitely don't think it's been done before. It would have been fantastic for Kevin not to have signed for Millwall at that time and played in that school final. But we all eventually signed in the summer of 78. And as you just said earlier, I think Oscar Arth, uh, Arth left, left in that summer of 78. And then was re- you go away for <coughs> your summer holidays and you come back and uh, David Payne was the manager. He was, was appointed youth team manager. I think he had worked with George Perry, who was the first team manager. I think he worked with him in a couple of places, didn't he, at Orient. And David Payne actually won the promotion with Crystal Palace, I think, in the mid-60s. That's correct. So, you, 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 when you go on and play your career, uh, like, which, lucky enough, I had a chance to do, you find that most people end up taking people they can trust and have, have been with at the end of the day. And as you said there, like he was with him at the Orient. And uh, so he gave him his first chance at uh, as a youth team manager at Millwall. So uh, obviously we started the season in 1978 with a bunch of maybe four or five apprentices in them days you would call second years. And then we maybe had about 10 apprentices. It was like first years. And then the season evolves from there, you know, you know. What was David Payne like as a coach? And as a uh, I think he could spell the word, actually, you know, C-O-A-A-C-H. I'm not sure he's <laughs> done much coaching. Uh, uh, you know, lucky enough, that's no disrespect to David Payne. I would imagine, he listen, he got out while the iron was up. He had one year as youth team coach and he won the FA Youth Cup final. But... Uh, he didn't have to do a lot of coaching. He more had to probably do a little, a lot of looking after, a lot of, you know what, this word wouldn't have been used in them days. It definitely wasn't used in them days. It uses, there was a lot of egos between the young boys as well because we all thought we was better players than we was. And uh, so it was more of like looking things like that, really, like looking after people, putting them in the right positions. But once you got the 11 or the 13 or the 14 squad right, you know, you didn't have to do a lot of coaching, really. And I'm going to jump in a little bit further. I don't think I ever had any coaching at Millwall, but we'll come along that we'll come along that later on in the, in, in when I had a bit of coaching. But from 16 years of age of signed Millwall, it's no disrespect to any coach. From where we're going to go on with this interview, I didn't have one coach, any coaching at all. Do you find that? Do you find that amazing? Because because you've just told me that, and I think, Christ Almighty, they've won the FA Youth Cup and they've had no coaching at all. You know, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but obviously there must have been a little bit. But listen up, you know, I'm forty-three years of age, but yeah, of course, you know, but it wasn't. I don't ever remember. You know, you you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to man marking, you got to drop in. It, it, it wasn't, truthfully, that I don't ever remember having any, as I said to you later on in this interview, when we go through my career and we come towards the end of my career at Millwall, 
you'll find out what I'm talking about when I'll come and tell you about a bit of coaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, as you said, you were one of 10 new apprentices. There was Tony Kinsella, Tony yeah. Mark, Alan McKenna, yeah. Yeah. Callie, John Helps, yeah. Andy Matty, yeah. Dean Horrocks, God yeah. rest his soul. Yeah. The first Paul Robinson. No, Paul Robinson wasn't. Paul Robinson wasn't a uh, he wouldn't have been a he didn't sign with us. He was a year younger than us, us Paul All Robinson. Right. Yeah, but that's Merv Payne's book has got that one wrong. Yeah, do you know what? Listen, I don't like to be a, Merv actually got quite a few rings wrong in his book, but I mean I didn't want to didn't want to, I didn't bother because it, it was coronavirus time, but then I didn't want to start ringing him out. I wish he'd round me up a few more times, but I could have could have put him right of about a few things to be honest. And I think Dave Martin was in that intake. No, as Dave well. Martin was a schoolboy as well. Me and Dave are good pals. Like we're good pals. We're still pals now. I mean, so Paul Robinson and Dave Martin in the youth team were actually schoolboys. I think that the ten at the then Paul Robinson and Dave Martin definitely wasn't apprentices with us who signed APs. And then if you, it was definitely Alan McKenna, definitely obviously myself, definitely Tony Kinsella, definitely Johnny Elks, definitely Tony Dark, definitely Andy Massey. There was a lad called Dave Ockaday who used to play, but he was like a he was like a worker. Didn't sign, didn't sign AP like in them days, and you could play, and he would like go work and then play on a Saturday, and that David would be in the squad as well. There might be one or two others, sadly, like you know, I'd like people to like you know uh, always jog my memory. And then you had the team, the boys who would be in the second years, as in your your Chrissy Dibbles, your Peter Glaziers, your Dave Memmicks. Your Ian Gals, uh, your Phil Coleman's, and you had players like that, you know, uh, and a Graham Maskell, I think, as well. You might have had a lad called Graham Maskell, who yep. was a slab boy, and I think again, I'm not sure whether he was a pro or or an apprentice, or he was a non-contract player, and he used to sort of play in the youth team as well. Yeah. So, talk to us about your about your apprenticeship. I guess it was all. Cleaning out dressing rooms, scrubbing baths, and cleaning boots, was it? Yeah, something like that. I mean, you, as I said, you signed at 16. I got £16 a week. Uh, I know that you got your mum got 20 I think my mum got sent £15 a week. You got £16 a week, and you got travelling expenses. Uh, so the 16 quid didn't go a very long way. Uh, hopefully, your mum give you some back of that 15 quid. My mum didn't used to give me anything back. I'm sure she did at the end of the year, but so she would get 60 quid a month. But the way you earned your money was expenses. And uh, I would probably stay around my grandmother's who lived in Plasto at the time. But as my my address was like Grey's Essex, I'd moved out to Grey's Essex. I was claiming fares from Grey's Essex, which might have been four pound a day. And there was, I'm not too sure I, uh, we ever paid £4 a day because at New Cross Gate or New Cross Station at 9 o'clock in the morning, me, Tony Kinsella, Tony Dark, Kevin O'Callaghan, there was four, there was about probably, oh, and Johnny Elks, five of us. Wow, I don't think we paid. If there was an Oyster card in them days, trust me, there wasn't one pound put on an Oyster card. It was only <laughs> jumped over the barrier and got through. So basically you earn your money on your expenses, really, you know. It was, uh, I mean, don't tell the beat. Don't tell the British Transport Police that, but that's literally what we used to do every morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily they didn't ask you for a receipt. No, well, they, no, they, no. They, when they just knew, yeah, exactly. They knew what the fare was roughly. They would look, and then you'd say, "Oh, you've done five days a week, and it was four quid a day, and you got twenty-eight quid expenses or whatever, things like that." 
So you used to turn up before training, I guess, and lay everything out for the first yeah. team? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, well, you'd probably be late. You'd turn up on a – you'd probably – if the boys was training at 10.30, you'd probably turn up at 9 o'clock, get all the kit ready, boots would all be, you know, like – so it would just say there's 20 pros. There wasn't 20 pros and there was 10 apprentices. You would, like, each pro had his training number and you would be allotted numbers. So, like, you know, I might be allotted number – four, five, and six. So, like, I had to do number four, five, and six and make sure, like, they had their jock strap, their towel, and their training kit and their boots all clean from every day. But there were some players who absolutely were so moany, it was, like, unbelievable. And, like, you did not want them players would moan about absolutely everything. Uh, I've seen one of these boys since, and uh, I'll just tell you, Tony Hazel, you did not want to clean Tony Hazel's boots at that time or be his kit man, which I don't think I was, moaned and moaned about everything. And the other one who's moaned all the time, and I played, seen him on a golf course in the last five years, was John Seesman. He did not stop moaning, Seasy, about his kit. But do you know what? He's, uh, you, you know, as you get older, you, he, you know, what a, love, what a lovely fella, you know, but wow. At them days, he did, you know, he got he used to blast you for everything. But Tony Hazel was a big moaner. So, whose kit did you look after? Do you know, I'd be lying to tell you whose kit I did look after. I, I, I'm sure it was Johnny Seasman, if I'm being truthful. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it was honest. But I'd be lying to tell you if I can really remember, to be honest with you. Hey, you wanted lads like Kitch. Kitch was a lad. And East then boy, knew how it worked. And obviously, everyone wants their kit clean. But, uh, the worst thing would be, Neil, to be honest with you, would be that Kevin O'Callaghan would sign pro and Dave Mehmet would be a pro. So, like, once Kevin O'Callaghan was only an apprentice for six months, even though you might be best pals with him, you're now his apprentice. So he would say to you, like, Robbo, where's my boots? Robbo, where's my jock? Robbo's where's my sock? You know, so you can imagine, Neil, the banter, you'd, like, you know, what you'd be doing then. It wasn't banter. It was more effing and blinding at him at the end of that. <laughs> Throw it at him. <laughs> Rather than anything else. That must have been quite strange, actually, considering... Yeah, that you, you know, you had Tony Gow, Tony Gow, Chrissy Dibble. Above them, you had Davy Pierce, Davy Gregory. But, you know, like them, Piercy and Gregory was okay. Men was all right. Men's men, like, at the end of the day. You know, Gally was Gally and Dibsy was... But, like, you didn't, like, Callie was a moaner. You wouldn't want it if Callie, if he was an apprentice, you would not want Callie, you know, you know. Yeah, but I'm just wondering if that was a reflection upon your skills as an apprentice or their standards. Hey, listen, it definitely wasn't my, my skills as an apprentice. Trust me, I wasn't that great. At, listen, if I could give someone a, a 50 pence or a pound to clean the boots, Neil, trust me, I'd give it to them at the end of the day. And we had a, we had an old kit man in them days. I'm sure you must have heard of this fella called Jack Blackman. I mean... Uh, and yeah. he was like a character in himself. I mean, nothing went unscathed with Jack. You know, if you said to him, Jack, have you got another skit or you've got another pair of uh, a, a jock strap or another pair of socks or, oh, you know, like Jack was like Sergeant Major, you know, Jack. He was like, it wasn't easy to get stuff that it, when if things did go missing. Yeah, Jack had actually, yeah, I think that Jack had actually been trainer for a number of years, hasn't he? So, he's yeah, been it was called. He was called a trainer in them days. That's cor that's correct. Yeah, he was called a trainer. But hey, listen, Jack was no trainer. He was like a sergeant major, but you know, uh, like kit man, you know, things like that. 
So you had the people behind the scenes. But listen, in them days, Neil, in them days, truthfully, the 78, 79 season, the club was skin. But you didn't know that at the time, but now you reflect on it and look back, it was like, wow, you did not know where you was training. There was no milk for tea. There was like there was like it was it there was it was unreal, to be honest with you, when you look back, you know. So where did we train? I think we had a spell down at the Crystal Palace Sports Stadium and played. We used to go there like sometimes. Listen, if they hadn't paid the bill, we wouldn't be there. We used to train at Peak Frings. We used to play, train at Senegal Fields. Neil, we used to train Deptford Park. Honestly, I used to ask. The first team, that, the first year, the youth team would obviously train by themselves. We'd probably be over Senegal Fields or Deptford Park. And obviously Deptford Park was called Dog S Park. And Senegal Fields was like gravel. Uh, listen, to be honest with you, how we actually won the Youth Cup with the facilities we actually had as a youth team was frightening. But don't worry about actually winning the Youth Cup. The facilities we had was frightening, to be honest with you. And when I mean, frightening, I mean frighteningly bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for any of our younger listeners, Senegal Fields is actually where the ground is now. Correct. Yes, correct. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, before that, it was all slums around that area. So I can imagine that it wasn't exactly Wembley that you were training on over there. Oh, far from it, Neil. Far from it at the end of the day. Absolutely. Can you imagine some of these youth teams now? They pitch up and they've got all these hybrid pitches and and whatever else. And back in your day, you were cleaning dog shit off the the pitch before you could train on it. it, You couldn't. No, you, but you, you can't look back, Neil. You, you, listen, that was all you knew at the time, and I'm sure maybe West Ham's training ground wasn't as good. But it, it was good, and it was QPR's was good. I remember going QPR's as a kid. I'm sure Man United, I went there one time, not as a kid, to, just later on in my career. Their faci- as I just said, the facilities of them clubs was spotless to what Millwall was. But, hey, listen, you didn't need a good training ground, as, you know, as the season eventually unfolded and we went on and won the, won the cup. So so we'll start on that FA Youth Cup start, uh, run. I yeah. think you played Slough in the first round, didn't you? Yeah, correct. Yeah, actually, I think we did, yeah. Obviously, Bob Pearson being from Slough as well. I remember him being very nervous uh, at about it, at the time, saying like Slough wasn't bad and blah, you know, maybe more of a G really. But uh, like maybe a bit of a banana skin and being a bit worried about the game and obviously thinking few of the boys of Slough, knowing that Bob what had an affiliation with Millwall that if they had good games they could maybe get a contract at Millwall. So it was a little bit of a not wasn't a great start to be honest, just to be drawn against. Not that we knew who Slough was, but lucky enough we got through that round. I think was it three one? I'm, I'm not sure what the score was to be honest. With you. So, yeah, something like that. Then I. I was trying to work out who we played in the second round. 
I, it was in that book, I'm sure it was, but I, I need you to jog my memory off. Listen, I've been at work for it, so I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm relying on you for a bit of information. If you, give me the, if you tell me, then I can sort of off, like, jog your memory and give you some, a bit of information about it. Right, then. Yeah, well, I couldn't find it in the book, actually. Anyway, uh, Norwich in the third round. So Norwich in the third round, yes. Yeah, so hold on. So who, tell me who the fourth round was. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go like from two, four, six, eight, sixteen, thirty-two. So because I know it was Norwich in the third round. Yeah. Sunderland in the fourth right. so, round. So that would have been sold on sold and Norwich. So we played Nottingham Forest in the quarterfinal was eight. We played Sunderland in the sixteens. So that, I'm gonna say, to be honest with you, I'm gonna say we probably did a bite. I'm not gonna I'm not sure. But if we, so if we beat, we played Norwich. We played Norwich. They had had Justin Fashionu up front, as as in the book. They had a very good team at the time as well. Lucky enough, we was at home though. That was an hard fought game. Phil Cullen obviously had a very good game against uh, Justin Fashionu, and uh, we went on to win the game two one. So, but again, early days nil. No one knew what was unfolding. It was just a good result, you know. It was just a good result. And when you look back at that run, a lot of these teams had an awful lot of good players. Absolutely. Players that went on and did quite a lot of things in the game, like Justin Fashion, who obviously his brother John played yeah. for us a little bit. If you, actually got, if you actually, the one thing I regret is not having any of the programmes of any of them games. And it's not just, I think sometimes you're not just got to look at the key name as like, as like your Justin Fashion, who, or whatever, you, you've got to look at the names around them and it's like, wow, do you know that kid played 300 league games? That boy played 200 league games, you know? And it, it, there's like things like that. Most people try to just focus on the one name, but I'm sure in that Norwich youth team as well, there was boys who went on and made hundreds of appearances, you know, at the end of the day, who I forgot. Again, Sunderland, I wouldn't have known many of them boys. I'm sure there was, but I remember we won that game. And now you're starting thinking, like we got a chance. And then I think we played, was it Notts Forest we played in the in the last eight? Yeah, we did. And, well, just before that, Gordon Borland, who was the club secretary, had died, didn't yes, he? Yes, yeah, was it Gordon Borland? Yeah, yeah, yes. He was around for, obviously, a long, long time. Yeah, I remember Gordon, so, yeah. So that must have hit the club hard. Again, 16 years of age. Uh, Neil, you wouldn't have took a lot of notice of that, you know, to be honest with you. You know, it's like if you lose someone at 16, even now, you wouldn't take a lot of notice. But especially the club secretary, but... New message. Hey, man, it's Devin. You know, from that time you accidentally emailed me because you thought I was a different Devin. <laughs> oh, and your email... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Your signature said confidential. If you receive this in error, please delete. <laughs> That's so you. Anyway, I heard you bought a boat. When are we set in sail, Captain? <laughs> when you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Oh, and uh, no, you did not receive this message in error. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. They said, as long as the secretary, the next secretary knew how much expenses he was on, Neil, that's all you <laughs> That's no disrespect to anyone. That, you know, that's just how it was. So, Forrest at home? Forrest um, at home, again, we knew that day. Now we knew that it was like we was with the big boys now because obviously uh, a lot of players in their first team went on to make appearances and got sold for a lot of money. Big game. Uh, obviously, been real, really built up uh, as being a big game. Uh, went, drew 3-3. Free free. Uh, the story in the book about Steve Burke, who was the left winger in the game, and Dave Martin being right back. And Burke, he went on to get sold for about a quarter of a million to QPR. Uh, maybe a season or two years later, he had a bet with David Martin that they would beat us in the, in the return league for 50 quid, which was a lot of money in them days. He, listen, if they had won, there's no way David was going to give him 50 quid, you know, but I mean, listen, he, he had a bet for 50 quid. But the thing I remember about that game, I think Tony Kinsella was exceptional. He got man of the match that night. I'm sure he got man of the match, Tony, that night. I think he was exceptional. And... Uh, I think we was 3-1 up and they brought it back to 3-3. But I don't think he actually said it in the book. I'm not sure. I can't quite remember. But after the game, the Millwall fans smashed all the windows of the Knott's Forest coach as it left the ground. And that, yeah, that wasn't great. Right. Lucky enough, that didn't get in the papers or what have you. But that sort of brought a, I might be exaggerating saying they smashed all the windows there. It might have been 1-0, you know. But then that brought on a little bit <clears throat> for the replay that... Uh, at the city ground, <clears throat> to be honest with you, that game we got absolutely battered. To be honest with you, <clears throat> we got absolutely battered, and uh, we, lucky yeah, enough, we can't. Yeah, it must be pointed out that Steve Burke actually had a spell on loan at Millwall. I think oh, a few. Did he really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, a few years later. Yeah. So, so you're up at Forest. Yeah. One of your best players, Dean Horrocks, is he's stretched off with. A pretty serious facial injury. Yeah, yeah. Did Dean start the game? I can't remember. Did he start the game? He must have started the game. Yes, he must. Have yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had yeah. a very bad injury. I think the game was stopped for quite a long while in them days. If you think about it, there wasn't a lot of injury time, things like that. Remember the game being stopped for a very long while, all being a bit quiet and what have you. I think again, I did. I think we won one nil. I think Tony might have scored that night as well. I'm not sure. I think Tony might. Have, I'm not sure if Tony scored. We won one nil. We hung on. We was hanging on though. We actually we was hanging on, and uh, obviously me and Phil was like at the back, and you know they're throwing the kitchen sink at you for one. Uh, and lucky enough, hey, we won one nil, and uh, it was a you know then all of a sudden we knew we was a good side really. At the end of the day, we you know we'd sort of come through a big test there, but again, still didn't really know what was in front of us really. You know, yeah, but it must have been like the Alamo. For you and for yeah, it was it was, but you know, lucky enough, we had a good back four. And Dave Memick was a wonderful player. You know, it's as much as I was captain. 
Men was like maybe the lead. It was he the leader. I'm not saying he was the leader, but Men was by far the best player. You know, by far the best player, David. And uh, you know, he knew his football as well, David. And uh, he would sit there and keep the ball and pass it. And so, and Ian Gow and that. I mean, we, you know, once we got our heads around a few things, we was very hard to beat. We was very hard to beat, and we had a resilience and would dig in. And as I said, we had a great camaraderie. You know, we brought, we built a great camaraderie. Somehow, I don't know how it came. It just came, just from maybe being a third division side, really, at the end of the day. It just came from being like that. Yeah, it was just one of those organic things, isn't it? I guess, yeah, when you're having a bit of success, it's you know, it's easier to breed that kind of culture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, the uh, we, you know, in the book, <laughs> Brian Clough was very famous, very, very famous. I mean, wow, I mean... You've got, Sky TV, you've got Sky TV in there and your Gary Neville's and your Jamie Carragher's and your Grant Soonis's and whatever. But he was obviously on the TV all the time, Brian Clough and obviously European Cups and blah, blah, blah. He was very famous and he used to do this little thing on the television. But to his, very, to his, to his credit, he came in the dressing room afterwards and <clears throat> come in and congratulate us and said, listen, fantastic result. You know, but me out after years, unbelievable, blah, blah, blah. And, whatever he said, and very, very humble, actually, very humble and very nice. And obviously, we were all in a joyful mood and obviously being a bit of a joker of the team, I, as he went out, I sort of half took the pee out, or I, I took the pee out of him as he walked out. Unbeknown to me, he heard me, and he walked back in, and then he gave me like one of them famous young man like talks, young man, you know, he, and he absolutely, like, I wasn't the tallest anyway, five foot ten, he probably made me like four foot ten. But uh, he absolutely came to be honest. Yeah, but hey, he went on. You know, that was a that was that was a price to pay. But he was a you know he was very unwindy thing. Yeah, but according to the book, you were doing an impression of him. That's right, I was. I did take an impression. As I said, he used to do all these things on the television, and I done like took like, this. And I can't remember what it was to this. If you ask me now, but I did obviously. But hey. Um, and then you called him Cluffy, which is probably the biggest That's crime right. that you've ever yeah, committed yeah, yeah. in your career. Cluff to you, son. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was, but it, all what you read about him is what he – and he actually, all what he, you read about him, he actually done that to me at that time. Like, the whole dressing room was, like, stopped, you know, like, it was like, you know, the whole – like, you know, even your David Payne, you, you know, you, you, I think – I think I, I think who was that? Was it who was our physio at the time? I, I think it's Mr. Stevens. I can't remember his first name now, forever. But and like for for Brian Clough to come in the dressing room, you know, was fantastic, really. And then, as I said, maybe yeah, he listen, I did take the pee out of him, but he definitely cut. He got his he got his back. He got his uh, he got his revenge on me anyway. Yeah, but didn't he? Yeah, the story goes that he actually wrote and complained, didn't he? I'm not sure whether he done that. As I said, I don't really know. I don't do, you know, I think I'm, I'm not sure. He was on one of them games as well. I don't know if that was true. If it was the Forest game or it might have been a Southern Junior Flooded game. But we actually broke down on the way home from one of the games. It was in the service station for about three hours. I'm not sure whether it was that the Knox Forest game, to be honest with you, or a Southern Junior Floodlight game. But he nothing like like nothing was ever surprising. Obviously, playing with a Millwall, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but the only surprising thing was yeah, but you didn't have to get out and push the coach to try and restart it. You have to remember at this time, as well as, as, well as we was doing well, the first team was doing very poor and was going into the relegation zone. So George Petchy was actually bringing a lot of the lads out of the, fir- at the team and playing them in the first team. 
So it was like actually affecting the youth team, if the truth be known, because all of a sudden the boys like you know, are in the first team now and don't really want to get injured either, you know, because they're in the first team. So it was a bit of an unsettling effect. So fair play to the lads who was in the first team and then like, you know, actually coming back to playing youth team games, obviously, i.e. your Kevin O'Callaghan's, i.e. your Dave Memmitz and I think Ian Gow even maybe made one or two appearances, you know, but fair play to them boys because it's a big thing to be in the first team and then come back and play in the youth team, even though they was big games, you know. Yeah, yeah but they could almost be, be forgiven for thinking it was a bit of a come down. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you tried not, you tried to tell them it wasn't, but, uh, and then we got to the semi final. And for some reason, when we got to the semi final, we decided to go to, uh, we started going to a camp, I think, or like, like at Owlsbury and started training maybe like one or two days there uh, before the game was a bit of a rest, or I don't know what it was when I think about it, but, uh, Aylesbury. Yeah, that was a bit strange. I remember going to Owlsbury, goodness knows I was going there. And then we played uh, Everton, it was uh, Everton in the in the semi-final. Yeah. And uh, we went to Goodison Park and drew nil-nil. And uh, I only ever, ever played at Goodison Park once. And, and that was in the 1979 FA Youth semi-final. I mean, it was a beautiful stadium. That, like, the, 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 the roof was over again. It was like, wow, what a place to play your football here. And again, if you look at that, if you look at that program, they had players like Steve McMahon, uh, Kevin Ratcliffe, and, and one or two others who went on and played many league appearances, many league appearances. And we actually came back to the den and beaten two 0 so that was a great result. And uh, about five years ago, I went to a, a friend of mine called Andy King. Who used to play for Everton, and I went to his funeral down at Goodison Park. Yeah, I remember Andy King, yeah. Yeah, midfield. Yeah, so he was a pal of mine, yeah, Kingy. And uh, afterwards, in the wake, which was held in like one of the rooms up in Goodison Park, Kevin Ratcliffe was there, and uh, Mark Ward was there, and a few other boys was there who was apprentices for Kingy, the same as I was apprentices for, like, say, Johnny Seisman. And I walked over to him and said, listen, the last time I see you boys like was in the FA Youth Cup semi-final and that, and uh, like we beat his 2-0. And they went, wow, like obviously like, they couldn't believe it like that, that, you know, like, you know, they didn't remember me. I'm going to have to tell you the truth. But the one thing I will tell you, and I haven't told him this story, they went, Kevin Ratcliffe went to me. He said, who was the ginger lad in midfield? He said, I can't, can't remember his name, can't remember his name. He said, oh, he said, and then he said, I've got his name. He said, Dave Memmitt. He said, we used to. He said, what a player. He said, what a player. This was coming from Kevin Ratcliffe. He said, Steve McMahon used to think he was the best thing since life's bread. He said, and over two games, he said, Dave Memmitt absolutely ruined him for two games. He said, and every time we ever see Steve McMahon, even to this day, he says, the only other name we ever say to him when he gets a bit high up his perch, tells you how well he's played for England. As we go, what about them two games, Dave Memmick, give you the run around there. Yeah. So that's how, I, that's how I, I haven't even told Mem that story. That's how I, the, like, rated Dave Memmick was by them boys, even, you know. It was fantastic. Yeah, well, I guess it couldn't have been very often that the youth team was actually better than the first team. I'm sure, the, if, I'm sure if we give them a game in, in, a, in a practice match, we would have beat them, but it could never have happened because there's probably four of, four of the youth team in the first team. So. But looking back at that again, it must have been very worrying for the first team boys 
are not so good for them. That's like, you know, thinking that these boys are going to take my place at the end of the day and might be putting me out of a job. So it must have been a bit worrying, really, for them as well, Neil, you know? And because we we actually went quite far, I think. Didn't we reach the final of the Southern, uh, the Southeast Counties League Cup yeah, that season? Yeah. North well, Southern you know, let's get to the final. We played the final, actually, against Man City again. Now we're staying overnight in hotels and, again, in the book. I remember we stayed in, like, maybe the Trust House 40 in the middle of Manchester and we're there. And uh, Mr. Herbert Burnage was maybe vice chairman at the time, a, a lovely fella, uh, Mr. Herbert Burnage, was the vice chairman at the time. But we was in the reception and that, maybe just on the day of the game, been training in the morning. And Mem's gone, Robbo, Robbo. He said, you know what? We're looking at these bonuses. He's saying, they're, uh, we're not on any money. Like, we ain't been on any money for any of this. He said, like, what, what's going on? Like, well, I said, I don't know, Mem. I said, like, we weren't good enough. I think we was on, like, three quid a win in the southeast counties. Do you know what I mean? But there was none of the youth cuts. He went, Robbo, you've got to ring up him, like, ring him up, ring him up. He said, and see what we're on to, like, you know, to uh, win the FA Youth Cup. I went, no. I said, like, you know, I can't do that. He went like, and then all the lads went, yeah, you've got to do it, brother. You're the captain. You've got to do it. You're the captain. You've got to do it. So I went down to the reception, just went on like the phone, rang up Millwall Football Club, got through to Mr. Burnage and said, that, you know, like it's Paul Roberts here, blah, blah, blah. How much are we on to win this game? And he was like absolutely dumbfounded that like I was ringing up on the day of the game, you know, and all the lads were like edging me on. And then like, you know, I'm on the phone and he's half scolding me, like saying, what are you doing this? He said, don't worry, I saw it all out. No. And all the boys were like, "How much is he offering? How much is he offering?" us at the end of the day, but uh, you know, it was a, it was a, it was you know some good stories really. And lucky enough, again, we went the main road through nil nil, and then uh, they had some very good players in their team again: Steve Kinsey, Nicky Reed, Tommy Kate, and Alex Williams, the goalkeeper. A few other lads who probably went on and played some games, and then uh, we went down the main road, drew nil nil. As we went back to the den and won two nil. And uh, well, as you say, it was it was fantastic. That was like you know, fantastic time. Yeah, but in typical Millwall fashion, and only it could happen at Millwall. Not only have you not agreed to bonuses before the final, you've yeah. actually got a player sitting his French exam on yeah. the day of the game. Dave Marley. Right? Yeah, oh, Dave, no, Dave could have listened. Dave definitely wasn't learning French. Trust me. He could just about talk English. There's no way Davey was learning French. Believe me. I was only on the phone to him on Saturday morning. There was no way he was doing French, Davey. Trust me. Yeah, yeah but that's according to the book. I can only go Is by it? what's oh, in no. the book. Do you know what? In, uh, there's one. Uh, the, the thing I remember about that game, we was two new up about a minute to go. A Man City had a corner. And Nicky Reed was the centre-half uh, and the captain of their team with Tommy Caton at the back. And obviously me and Phil Carmel was the centre-half. And I remember him taking me as far out as he could away from the goal. And I thought, why am I going this far, like a minute to go? Why is he taking me miles away in the 18-yard box? Surely they're trying to chase the goal. He took me so far. But just as the fellow took the corner, he got his elbow and just smashed me straight in the face and done me off the ball and then just run back. He'd done me an absolute kipper to be honest with you. But that's how much it meant to even, you know, someone like that. And I don't think he even went and picked his medal up, actually, that day. Like, they, you know, they was, they was fuming the Man City boys, you know. So I think they got to the final again the next year and got beat in the final again. 
as well. So were you nervous before that game at the yeah, day? Yeah, he was nervous was before. before yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Because you come so far, Neil, and you, had that, you now had everything to lose, you know? You now had everything to lose. And, you know, you, you might never do it. You didn't think you might ne- never do it again. That wouldn't have come into your head. But you was definitely nervous because you was playing in front of the crowds. Your friends was coming. Your girlfriend was coming. You had a girlfriend. Your mum and dad's was coming. No, it was. It was. They were big nights. They was big nights in Millwall's history. Hey, it's easy for me to say that because do you know what? It's, it's only the captain. <laughs> it's easy to say that because it was a long while ago. But believe me, they was wonderful nights. They was wonderful nights. Not just for myself. Sure, for the fans, and I'm sure if he was 12, 13 years of age at the time to even 35-year-olds. They must have been wonderful. But sadly, the first team was getting relegated, but you had a wonderful youth team, you know? And that's all you were really worried about was, I guess, was... Yeah, you'd be on end to get in. You'd be on end all, Neil, to always try and be in the first team. And, you know, like, listen, the majority of that team, I think Peter Glaze, had Dave Martin, Paul Roberts, Phil Carman, Paul Robinson, Ian Gow, Chrissy Dibble... Kevin O'Callaghan, Tony Kinsella, Alan McKenna, Dean Oryx, you know, blah, blah, whatever. Everyone played in the first team, you know, everyone played. Andy Massey, sadly, Andy Massey, I don't, I think Massey was his sub, I'm not sure. Or was Dean, I don't, you know, everyone. I think the only one who maybe never played in the first team from that lot was Tony Dark, you know? Yeah. But listen, he didn't play in the first team. But t- Tony Dark's a multi-millionaire, so I think I'd rather be Tony Dark but not play in the, in the 1979 FA Youth Cup team. To be honest, I'd rather be Tony Dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you won't mind a million quid or a couple of million yeah, quid. I think he's got a bit game. more than that, Dark. He's got a bit more than that. I think he's got chunks of it. He can borrow it out of a few of us. So how did he make it? He's... Uh, he's UK is chairman of UK Packaging. He owns UK Packaging. You ever? He's uh, he's absolutely smashed it, Darkie. Yeah, smashed it. Maybe that was the key. That was the key. Get let go at seventeen and go into packaging rather than uh, be captain and uh, end up making four hundred and thirty league appearances and drive a cab. I don't really think that was the move. Maybe the move was to get let go at seventeen and own UK Packaging. So how magical was it playing under the lights at the yeah, at the old ground? Yeah, it was always a nice. It's, it's nice to do. Every ground was nice to play under the lights because the ball used to seem like you know, like a bit of dew in the air, and the ball used to spring at like zip a little bit more. But uh, yeah, it was always neat. Maybe it was nice to play under the lights because you couldn't see the fans coating you as well. I suppose that was even that, that was probably the best way. If you if you'd give the ball away, at least you couldn't see we shouting and honouring at you. Where in the in the cold light of the day, you could. <laughs> so, did you get coated? Yeah, we're playing in the youth thing by people, was no, it? No, we didn't really, no. No, he didn't because obviously it was all about trying to gear up like that was behind you, behind you, behind you. But like as I said, Neil, you'd got so far, you didn't want to be the person who'd done a bad back pass. You wouldn't have been Dave Memmick to be one nil down and he takes a penalty and misses it. But lucky enough, none of them things happened. You know, we kept clean sheets, didn't miss penalties and things like that. So they sort of didn't have anything to do, but you would never forgive yourself if you're doing an interview now and you've done a bad back pass and you lost the final 1-0, do you know what I mean? So, that's how it would have been. Then, I think, unbelievably, you lifted the Youth Cup mm. and then am I right in thinking you made your first team debut the following night? Correct, yeah, correct. That's Actually, it was my full debut. I'm, 
I made my debut about two weeks before uh, against uh, Oldham Athletic on a Friday night as a substitute. I came on as a sub. I think it was about May the second, something like that. And uh, yeah, I came on and uh, for Simon Stainwood was playing for Oldham at the time. And as I walked on the pitch, he said, "What are you doing on the pitch, you little C?" And he did it and got right in my face. So that was uh, that was welcome to uh, that was welcome to football league. That was welcome to the football league, but coming back to that, you're right. We was on the booze. We went. We, I think we went to a nightclub somewhere. Got home about three or four o'clock. I think Payne dropped us all off home. Actually, thinking about it, and even though we all like live quite away, and uh, I got a phone call the next day. I think David Donaldson had pulled out sick, or one of the boys had pulled out sick. Yeah, but Dave Donaldson, you replaced him at right back, didn't you? I think. Yeah, and I played uh, against Preston North End. And we got beat 2-1. I think we was already relegated anyway, and we got beat 2-1. And actually, you played up front for uh, Preston North End that day. was a striker called Mick Robinson, who passed away the other week, the, 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 the Spanish reporter. And he, yeah, that's right, yeah. He, I think after that game, I don't think it was anything to do with me, but he got a move for 750 right the Man City, I think, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> but he actually played in that game. Yeah. Um, well, of course... Preston's manager was a certain Nobby Styles that night. Was it really? Yeah, yeah. That's England World yeah. Cup winner recently, yeah. unfortunately yeah. passed away as well. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, I didn't know that, Neil. That's interesting. Yeah, that's like you know, it's a nice bit of. Uh, yeah, that's nice to say. That's nice. That's something to say at the golf club at the end of the day to tell them. At the, you know, something like that. Yeah. So you'd actually. How did you feel getting that phone call off George Petchy? Because you must have been hung over. Yeah, just said to me, you got to get down to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, probably, listen, it probably wasn't the first time I was hung over playing with the first team. <laughs> Later on, the camp, maybe it was the first time of many, I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, no, you, you, you just read it. Listen, it, it was a blur, really. It was a blur. You know, it was the last game of the season. You had nothing to lose, Neil, did you? You know, had nothing to lose. You know. Because as an apprentice, you must have had to have swept out the dressing room. Yeah. Would yeah. you have to sweep out the dressing room after you'd played? Now, once you signed the professional forms, you didn't. You didn't. So when you were seventeen years of age at Millwall, when you was good enough, they used to sign your pro on the seventeenth birthday, which would mean your apprentice would be cut off. So once you signed pro, you didn't have to do your your, your duties. But uh, so, like coming back to duties. On a Saturday, you would like there would be maybe three players doing their own dressing room and three players doing the away dressing room. Well, you'd always want to be on the away dressing room because, like this, and Millwall was having such a bad season that usually the, the away team was coming in after an away victory and they would be in and out of the dressing room in about 20 minutes. And obviously, the manager would like, let you in after maybe 10 or 15 minutes. So, you, you know, you could get away. As soon as the dressing room was clean, you could go. Where, where the, the first team dressing room, they was getting probably a bollocking off George Petchy and you might not get away at six o'clock. So I soon tumbled to do the away team dressing room rather than the home team dressing room. So you turned 17 and unbelievably you were given a six-year contract, weren't you? I think we was given a two-year contract and then I think that season, that season we was given, we was given five-year contracts. Yeah, me, Tony Kinsella, Kevin O'Callaghan, and Dave Memmick, correct, yeah. But my actual first initial contract, I think, was a two two or three year. And then, like, we signed extensions, yeah, to uh, 
So my, my contract ended up being run into 1985. So, yeah, I was given a, probably a five-year contract. Yeah, correct, correct. Which yeah. seems absolutely unbelievable for a club like Millwall that they've, they must have had that much faith in you. Yeah, it was a big thing. It was a big thing at the time. I remember there was, I think, in the Daily Telegraph or one of the papers, there was a thought, there was a picture of the four of us with a glass of champagne signing the, uh, the, the contracts after the game. Yeah, me, me, Kevin, me. I'd like to get hold of that picture, to be honest with you. It was, it was a good picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but did somebody nick the champagne because we probably couldn't have afforded it, could we? Uh, well, exactly. But, you know, so no, that was good times. You know, I don't think the money was that good. It didn't reflect the, the the five year contract. Didn't reflect the money, but it was it was a bit of stability. I'm not sure it was probably the best thing to do, being in in truth. But hey, listen, it, you you done it. You didn't know much about contracts and agents in them days. But it probably wasn't the best thing to do, actually. Looking back, yeah, you'd have probably liked to have signed on for maybe two years. Yeah, but they obviously mm-hmm. had to protect themselves. But you know. You know, they, they, yeah, you know, we can go up with, you know, if you want to move on, and I, I can tell you, obviously, they took the money and run with Kevin, Kevin O'Callaghan, went the next season, obviously, to Ipswich for 250 grand. And then Dave Mehmet and Tony Kinsella both were, got a move to Tampa Bay Raggers. So then all of a sudden, I was the only one out of that four. And you did feel a little bit sorry for yourself, you know, in late, later days to come, in that. You were stuck with a five-year contract at Mill Wall, but, you know, hey, hey, ho, that's how it goes. So just after that youth cup game, or the yeah. youth cup went, your bonus was revealed. You right, got a yes. four-day trip playing in Paris. Correct, correct, yes. And I think we had to play a game, Neil, actually. I think there was a game thrown in there somewhere along the line, actually, at the end of the day. I don't know who it was against, but it was definitely a game thrown in as well. But uh, it was a trip to the Moulin Rouge as well. Yeah, I mean, wow, you can imagine 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds and 16-year-olds going to the Moulin Rouge. Like, like, wow. In 19, 1979 in Gay Paris, uh, what, what, is, what is 18 London boys doing there? You can imagine it now. Eighteen London boys in like Moulin Rouge in Gay Paris. Wow, it's it's mind boggling, really mind boggling. Yeah, the tabloids would have a field day, wouldn't they? Oh, it's, well, it was absolutely mind boggling. Yeah, especially I think we was waiting in the queue, waiting in the queue to get in. We like some of us holding a bottle of beer because we knew the bottles of beer would be too dear in there. When you think back, it was frightening. Really, it was frightening. At least we had a bit of culture, though. There was a bit of culture thrown in somewhere along the line. <laughs> Yeah, with culture and Millwall, they don't go well together, do they? They didn't go well together that night, trust me. (laughs) Yeah, I was reading that you were actually locked in the dressing room after you played a game over there because apparently you got a bit rough, didn't you? And you had to get a police escort out the place. Yeah, that's correct. I think think it was down to me, if I'm being brutally honest. I can sit on the fence, but I'm sure a few of the other lads might tell you a different. It was a little bit down to me. I've done a little bit of a bad thing to one of their players during the game. So I'm not going to declare it what I've done to the fella on the on this radio station. But it wasn't wasn't something you hold your hands up and say you're done. But uh, <laughs> sadly, I've done it. And uh, yeah, all well got let loose. And uh, I did. I never. I, I said not guilty, though, to be honest with you, in the dressing room. So but I'll hold my hands up now. At, 58 years of age that I was guilty. Yeah. Yes, come on. So what did you do to him? Ah, no, we're past. We're past. It's not the greatest thing to say, truthfully. I'll let you imagine. I'll let you imagine. 
let your imagination go with it at the end of the day. I don't even want to declare. <laughs> so you sat in the dressing room waiting for a police escort. <laughs> yeah. Was, this, yeah, but this could only happen at Millwall. Yeah, well, it was there. There, uh, it was absolutely driving me mad, and the, so there was a little bit of, uh, as I said, oh, it wasn't. It was a. It was a little. Well, let's pass. I think let's pass on that. <laughs> yeah, I think you actually probably said what happened <laughs> without saying what happened. So you, so then you're in the first team. We've just been relegated, and Correct, yeah. that was that was. The following season was your real, real breakthrough, wasn't it? I think you played Correct. most games that season. What was that like? Yeah, I remember the first game we played Blackburn away, drew 1-1. I mean, I, I was playing left back. I never had a left foot, really. I mean, you know, to to throw a 17-year-old player in at left back with not a left foot, again, you'd never have said, no, you're not going to play. But really, it wasn't my greatest position. But I used to play there and get away with it, I would say. Wouldn't say it was doing me any justice, but I got away with it. And I remember playing, probably played, I just had a look back look back in one of the programmes I found. I played about the first 10 or 12 games. And I remember that uh, just up to maybe the first 10 or 12 games, I got picked for England Youth to go on a trip uh, to, I think it was Australia actually, in the Mini World Cup or something like that, or somewhere else, some Yugoslavia in some tournament. And George Petty come up to me. And said to me, listen, you've been picking them for England youth. He said, and, uh, you know, it's a fantastic thing like you've been done and whatever you like for your recognition from last year. He said, but uh, you're in the first team here. He said, and if you go, he said, like, you're going to miss three or four games. He said, and there's no guarantee that you get back in the first team. He said, so really, he said, I'd rather you not go. And God, you know what? I didn't go. <laughs> which is madness when you look back. I didn't go. I stayed and played for uh, played in the first team and then got injured, got injured and obviously got injured and then uh, was out for about two months. But forget getting injured. Wow, what, George, what was George Petty saying to me? Like, you know, don't go and get an England youth cap at the end of the day. And sadly, I never got picked for England again. In probably for one reason or another, I, I don't know why. Maybe my character wasn't the greatest. I mean, I spoke, I was very opinionated. Did used to say, tell referees and tell Brian Clough and tell people what I thought of them. I'd be the first one to tell you that. But never got picked again. But sadly, that is, I've got a few regrets about Millwall. That that was a massive regret, not getting an England cap, to be an England youth cap. Just for my father, really, and even for now, just to have like a free, like, it's only a youth team, but he, Play for England youth, at least you got the cap, you know. Sadly, I haven't got one. Dave Martin, Dave Martin played in it the following year. Not sure whether Paul Robinson played for England youth, but at least Robbo had England, 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 uh, Paul Robinson had England schoolboy cap. So it would have been some recognition, you know. It doesn't mean you're a great player, but it would just been a recognition, you know. But yeah, well, giving your previous abroad, it was probably quite a good idea. Yeah, uh, you know, but really, as a manager, George should, uh, you know, I'm looking, but George shouldn't be telling a 17 year old, you know, he should be going, embrace it, go on and enjoy yourself, you know, go and mix with better players, really, at the end of the day, you know, because Millwall was still a third division club. It was a third, no, sorry, it was a third division club. Millwall was a second division yeah. club. I'm forgetting that when we won the, we got relegated. We said, we're now a third division club. So for players to be getting picked for England, you from third division. 
teams, it was like as a big thing that hey, it's no good looking back now. Let's go, let's go. Gorgeous. Please, he's just another RV League educated surgeon with good hair. No, he's different. Nurses, we got a classy motorhome with a detached driver's side mirror. Meet me in the OR. Stat. Right away, doctor. No, 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 she's on break. I'll handle this one. Oh, you conniving little... When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates covered subject to policy terms. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.